Hello. Hola, que tal? That's it for Spanish. Good morning, everyone. Uh, can I start with a little bit of family news? Is that allowed? Oh, okay, we spoke to Michael and Sven yesterday. That's our daughter and son-in-law in Germany. They are really busy. They've got three very busy weeks, and then they'll be here with us for two weeks. Um, and then in April, uh, I will go to South Africa. I'll be um, helping run a leadership development course for our African staff. Dave's going to go to Switzerland to teach, and then he'll come and join me in May um, for that course. So please pray. Please be praying for more participants, more uh, people who want to come and do that course. Um, and then in June, we will be going to Germany for two weeks um, because I'm going to be eligible for the glamorous granny competition. <laughs> So congratulations uh, to Michael and Sven, and please be praying for them at this time. Okay, right. Now, what did we call this one? Something about um, how do we think? What do I really believe? What do I really believe? So I'm going to start with a story a few years ago an English journalist made a television documentary based on the idea the greater the Christian presence, the greater the benefit for the whole town. Okay? And this journalist looked at the most Christianized city in America. Why America? I don't know. But the city was Dallas, because that had the highest percentage of uh, regular churchgoers at the time. He looked at statistics on housing, education, health, crime, uh, equality, all these indicators of quality of life. And compared with the other US cities, the results showed that the quality of life in Dallas was no better. And he didn't stop there. The journalist then interviewed some Christian leaders and asked them, what is your response? And they basically said the same thing. Um, that doesn't concern me. I'm a spiritual leader. Ah, so when we learned about this documentary, we were devastated. We were really shocked. Um, was the premise wrong? Or, if it's right, what has happened to this point about so that all men and women will know that you are my disciples, that Michael read this morning? What has happened? What has gone wrong? So we, we tend to see changes in people's lives when they become believers. Um, we see people come to church. We see people pray. We see people give. But often these things happen in the context of the church. Um, and what has happened at a deeper level? And we started to ask 
about how do we see greater change so that we can influence society? How do we change the whole person and go beyond the church walls? As David Holden was saying last week, we have this treasure within that we need to see made manifest more and more. So um, we start with Romans 12. We often start here. This is verse 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, by the test that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So we began a personal journey of looking at how, how does this transformation happen? What does it really mean? How do we renew this mind? And yes, one way to start is with the Bible. But the thing with the Bible is that you can take a, a verse and you can justify all sorts of theology and practices. So how do we really know how to live? And we were taught that we look at the Bible, yes, but look from Genesis to Revelation, the whole Bible, and look what is the consistent, constant principles uh, that we can see throughout the Bible. What are the things that reveals God's heart, his intentions, and his character? And I want to go now to a quote of Matt Rawlins. This is a very simple quote. Um, what we believe about God is the most important thing about us. If we can get our beliefs about God right, then everything else in our life builds on that belief. So we started to look at our own lives. Was I, was I convinced of God, about God's character? Did I really believe that God is good? Or did I say I believed, but actually my actions and my speech reflected something different? And I discovered, actually, that some of my beliefs are not in line with God's character. And actually, I'm still learning this. It's an ongoing transformation. But one of my difficulties is how I um, think about time. In, in our um, society, time is very limited. We only have so many hours in the day, and therefore my time is precious, and I have to be very wise with my use of time. And this has affected a lot of my decisions. Oh, is it worth me driving over to Hawley 
to that one shop because there's such a great offer, a bargain to be had there. And all sorts of questions about time. But what does God say about time? He who created time. What does he say? And we had to wrestle with our thinking, our beliefs, and we still do. Uh, and then we try to work them out in our own family, in our own marriage, and it really formed in us a basis and a foundation from which we now can speak and share with others. Thank you. Relay, relay team. Isn't she amazing? Yeah. She's incredible. Oh, look at that. I've got, I've got a widget. <laughs> One good thing about speaking is you get to play with the widgets. Right. Okay, so I'm going to go to a different scripture. And I love this scripture. I think it's quite hilarious. Um, so this is uh, Matthew writing. When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They discussed this amongst themselves and said, it's because we didn't bring any bread. <laughs> Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, oh, you of little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it you don't understand I was not talking about bread? Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Aha! Then they understood that Jesus, that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. I love this, sort of, this disconnect here. So these guys are hungry, they've got bread on their mind, and then Jesus comes with a teaching about yeast, and they go, it goes whew, straight over their heads. Now, for those of you who know me well, you'll know I love cooking but I never touch baking. Way too precise for me. Okay, I, I like the sort of cooking where I bung a bit of that in, chuck a bit of that in, but you can't do that with baking, right? All those bakers. But I do know enough that yeast is very important when you're baking. And what yeast does, it spreads through the whole loaf. Okay, so this one tiny piece of ingredient spreads through the whole loaf. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Be careful of it, because those, those little, maybe even inconspicuous little things they say, become the yeast, and they spread, and they become a big idea. Now, we can, we can see this. Um, I take the example of um, women have less value than men. Okay, so that's a small idea, but it has absolutely devastating consequences in many communities, many societies around the world. That one belief. And people have believed that for generations, and they pass that on for generations, and it has absolutely devastating effects. And it's one small phrase, but it has a massive effect. And, it, and what it does, it, it brings out strongholds that are very, very difficult to break. I don't know how many, how many people have seen the film Inception? Yeah, it's a, it's a crazy film. I don't want to try and explain the film. 
But the premise of the film is that some guys work out how to get into people's subconscious and plant an idea. And it's the same thing Jesus is talking about here. Is if I plant an idea, things are going to change. Just a simple idea, pop into someone's subconscious, plant it there, pop out again. But in many ways, that's happening to us all the time. All that we read, all that we listen to, all that we hear, ideas are being popped into our, into our subconscious. What we were told as kids, what we were told at church, what we were told at school, these things are there. So we need to be aware of those influences. I mean, there are even people calling themselves influencers these days. They're actually trying to influence us. And there are the many, many influences that are out there. And obviously, this is not a new challenge. Um, it's been a, a struggle since the beginning of time when the, the snake wandered up to Eve and he was like, God, did God really say that? Come on. You're not going to die. Your eyes will be opened. These little ideas that he just planted in Eve's mind. And then even Eve, who had been walking with God, took on board those ideas. So in the, in the scripture that Ali read, the, um, the idea that we can renew those minds, the idea that we can expose those false beliefs that have been then put inside us, discover God's principles uh, to renew our thinking, and then, therefore, what are our values and actions? So as we, as we think about the different issues that are in our society today, or even the issues that are in our church, or in our own lives, it's good to remember, let's be careful what we listen to, what we watch, who we listen to. Um, oh, get to use the widget again. Come on. So, I love, this, I love this quote. In religion and politics, people's beliefs and convictions are in almost every case gotten at, sorry for the bad English, secondhand and without examination. And so we, we often don't think about, well, what do we really believe? What are, what are our deep down beliefs? It's something we don't actually spend a lot of time. Now, this thinking change is a, is a process, as Ali said. It takes a, a lifetime. But that's okay. Um, you know, it would be nice if once we started to follow Jesus, we suddenly got the uh, matrix plug in the back of our neck, and we started thinking like Jesus. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? But unfortunately, it doesn't really work like that. So we started studying worldviews and beliefs more than 20 years ago. And, you know, I still catch myself thinking things like, yeah, that was really individualistic, what I just thought there, or what I just did. That was all about me. Or that was very materialistic, what I just thought. This is, this is what I've grown up with, especially when the new iPhone comes out. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> But it's, a, but it's a process, you know? But um, what's great is that God is patient and he's faithful. And if we are willing to change, then he will be faithful to that. Okay, I'm going to hand back to the amazing Mrs. Swan. It's like a relay race here. Oh. Okay, so how do we start to talk about this thinking change with other missionaries? How do we, how can we get 
them to be more aware of their thinking and to see the consequences that their thinking has in their lives and ministry. And I've lost my place. Okay. And how do we talk about these very conceptual ideas in a very practical and concrete ways that people get? And so we discovered a very simple tool called the belief tree. And that should... Oh, look. Oh, there we are. So it's a tree. Okay? It's very simple. Uh, there are roots below the ground. There's a trunk, branches, and then some fruit. And so we use this, and we say that the roots represent our beliefs, our core foundational beliefs. And they generate our values. And the trunk of the tree represents our values. Now, our values influence our choices. And we choose our behavior. So the branches represent our behavior, what we say, what we do. And then the fruit is the consequences or result of our behavior. So this is not an exact science, how we use this, but we tend to take an issue or a scenario and, and try and identify the different aspects of the tree that relate to that situation. So we talk sometimes in generalities and use a little bit of guesswork. So just bear with me with this example. Okay, so let's look at an actual example. And this is a typical rural African response to poverty. Now I have to say that poverty is a complex issue. But today, for the sake of time, we're just looking at one aspect and it's very simplified. Okay. Now, if we went to the African village today, we would see a lack of healthcare, a lack of education probably, a lack of clean water, and the list goes on. That would be the fruit of our situation. And the behaviour, what would we see? Well, we'd see people saying, the government promised us a road, so we're waiting for the government to build us a road. Or, at the end of the month, we'll get the Red Cross parcel. So they're waiting for someone else to do something, or we'll get, we're going to the mountain for the animistic practices, okay? And the values, what are their values? So we're talking about a value for outside assistance and a value that says it's important to appease the gods or the spirits. And their beliefs, the basic beliefs that are generating this is we are poor, and we have no power to change our situation. And the spirits are in control. They're the ones with the power. Okay. So 
as I said, very simplified, but this helps us talk about um, the situation in a very different way. So another way we can use this tool is to say, okay, what would be God's heart for poverty in a rural African village? And we'd start with belief, maybe the belief that we are active co-workers with God. Um, and a value would be a creativity. We can, we can receive God's creativity to find new solutions and we can work to see change happen. Behaviors, recognizing our local resources, what we have in our hand, or as a community, what we have between us, and um, work that we can, we will work, and we will be generous with what we have. And the consequences would be healthier communities, hope, hope for the future, um, new opportunities or possibilities or an increase in opportunities and more believers. Okay. Back to me. <laughs> so I'd just like to say we have actually seen this working I could take you to communities today that, uh, where we've started to see people believe differently, their whole situation has changed. Um, and it is quite incredible when you see working in that way to get down to those core beliefs changing and how things can change. Okay, so we're going to go a little closer to home now. Um, so an example of, of materialism, so more from a, a Western context. So the belief being, I am what I own, and more is better. Okay? Of course, we never see this, you know, in the, U, in the UK. Um, and the, the values that, that that will produce is more possessions, is status, and another one we put there is efficiency. So if I can be more efficient, I can, I can make more money. If I can have all the gadgets, and, uh, then I can, I can make more money. And so the behavior there, workaholics, uh, borrowing beyond means, comparing myself to others. Okay? This never happens, of course. In, you know, this is just a scenario. Um, and the consequences of that are, are debt, with physical and mental ill health, breakdown of relationships, all kinds of things. Obviously, we've totally simplified this um, and are making lots of assumptions, okay? Just to give you an example of how the belief tree works, to help us to think about our beliefs, okay? But what we're not saying is, okay, this, all debt is caused by this belief, okay? But what it does do is cause us to ask the question, so if there's a lot of debt in a community, we can go, normally what happens is we work on the behaviors. We just go, let's try and solve it by changing people's behavior. Instead of asking the question, what's the belief behind that 
that would actually be much more effective to change. Okay? And, wow, this has been an incredible journey for us over many, many years of just keep asking that question. Where did that behavior come from? What's the value behind that? What's the belief behind that? Okay? So that's really what we want to try and uh, equip ourselves with over these next few weeks. Um, I had a thought then, but it just went. It doesn't matter. Okay, I better get back to my notes, otherwise we'll be here all day. Um, so we have used this belief tree in many parts of the world, um, and we can see how it's helped people in many, many different ways. But I just want to bring out two things that can really help us as a church. So one way is to think how, now I'm going to use a big word here that I only, I only learned a few years ago, how congruent we are. Now congruent means that we actually do what we say, is that actually we behave in a way that is in line with our beliefs. Because it's easy to say you believe something, but actually how do you know you believe that? The way you know you believe it is how you, how you live, how you act, what you say, what you do. So that's a good word to remember, congruent. Sorry for our second language English speakers. And then the second way it can help us is to think about what are some of the issues that we face in, in our communities, in, in society, dare I say in our church, in our own personal lives, and to think about where do they come from? What, what must be the beliefs behind that? And how do we start to change those beliefs? Now, I, do, I just remembered the thought I had, that these things take a long time. We have been working in some of these communities for 15 years and just starting to see the fruit of not just keep treating the behavior, not just keep trying to put a plaster over the consequences, but helping people to see for themselves how, what they believe and how that's affecting them. So we're not looking for a quick fix, but as I said earlier, God is so faithful in it. God is so patient with us. So I want to just leave you with two pieces of homework. Okay? I know we don't often get homework, and you don't have to do it really. But So... When we think about the materialism tree that we just had there, can we get that back? I don't know. Oh, look at that. Um, think about what would be a biblical response to that. What would be a belief that would change actually everything on that tree? That if, if we believed in a different way, or if people believed in a different way, something more biblical, more godly, how would that change the tree? There you go. There's a piece, one piece of homework. Second piece of homework is to take on a personal challenge. To start to think, what needs to change in me? What are my core beliefs? Now, thankfully, this is something the Holy Spirit loves to do. He loves to challenge us on what do we really believe and how we behave. Um, that self-awareness, that, that honesty with ourselves and to make us more congruent. So that our, that our beliefs and our behaviors actually line up. Okay? So there's your, there's your challenge for, for this week. I'm just going to pray for us, and it's exactly half past. How about that? 
come on, Swiss timing. There's a, there's a value, there's a value. Yeah, Lord, we are so grateful to you this morning. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for just loving us so much. And Lord, we ask that you would help us through your Holy Spirit to reveal to us things that are, are not in your ways, are thinking that are not from, from your thinking. Lord, reveal them to us. Help us to, to change, to seek out others who can help us to change, to seek out your Holy Spirit to help us change, that we might live lives that are in, in order of, of what we say we believe. Lord, that is a treasure in itself, that if we, uh, if we actually live what we believe, people will see something very different. People will see a treasure in us, as Dave was talking about last week. Lord, so help us, Father. We know we can't do this by ourselves. We need your Holy Spirit. But we trust you, Lord, and we thank you for your incredible faithfulness. Amen.